Welcome to Girls Camp. I'm your host, Haley Rawl, and I am elated to introduce you to today's guest. I was trying to think of a good synonym for excited because I feel like I always say I'm so excited for today's episode. So elated it is to introduce you to Rachel Brockbank. Her artist name is Tishmal. And she is just one of the loveliest people I've had the pleasure of meeting. We had such a good conversation about her Mormonism, her post-Mormonism, about how that informs her music. If you have not listened to Tishmal yet, you must go do so immediately. She has such lovely, soulful, ethereal music that I know you will love. And during the episode, we get some behind the scenes into some of the things that informed her lyrics and her songs, which is really special. We also have video of today's episode, which is really exciting. I've been meaning to get better video quality, and we did that for this interview, which was perfect because it is in Rachel's gorgeous home. So after the intro, you should be seeing some video on your screen and hopefully I'll get a YouTube channel up and running. So many social media platforms. I'm feeling a little overwhelmed, but I'm excited to get a YouTube going eventually. No promises as to when. Before we jump into the interview, I just wanted to do a tiny little life update Mainly just to say that Bentley and I had such a good time in LA. It felt like a really special milestone to go to LA, do a couple of interviews for girls camp. Bentley had some business affairs to tend to as well. So we got to go together and get some work done and also just hang out, have uninterrupted time together, which we have not gone on a trip, just the two of us since the girls were born. And it was so nice, so needed. I love LA personally. I know it's a bit of a divisive location, but I love it there. I love the energy. I love the weather, the beaches, the food. It was just really fun to be there and have some time out of the regular routine. And again, just felt like a really cool milestone to have met for the podcast. This is episode 14, believe it or not. If you have stuck with me this far, bless you. I'm so happy you're here. And here's today's interview. I'm so excited to be chatting with you, for real. Oh my gosh, I'm honored. I was like so surprised when I saw your DM. Yes. That someone was like, hey, have Tishmal on. Um, My real name is Rachel, but Tishmal is my artist name Mm -hmm. and my native name. I'm mixed race, so I'm white and native. Yes, which I want to talk more about, actually, because I'm curious how that plays into everything, too. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I I feel like, have you talked very openly about your journey, like on social media or anything like that? Well, this is why it's so fun, (laughs) is because I've like never... I've never even when I was so in and so active and so true believing, like I'd never talked about it. Mm. I don't know. I think I always wanted to be seen as me and not with like a label. And I think also growing up with like friends of so many different faiths, I wanted my presence online to always just be inclusive in Mm -hmm. that way as best Mm -hmm. as I could. And I'm, I'm sure... Like maybe I posted about a church thing like once or twice, but for the most part, I never did. (laughs) Yeah. And I like that. I like that my true self felt the need to just be. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's, it is an interesting thing when you haven't, I don't know, I feel like the church is sometimes like part of people's brand or like Mm -hmm. online presence in a way. And then leaving if they end up leaving the church there's kind of maybe more of like an expectation of like an explanation or something like that I feel like I've been seeing a lot of influencers kind of going through that oh, that's so hard to do yeah. that so publicly too. I know and I know just getting it. a lot of questions because they did share mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more about the church and yeah. then they're you know people are like well what happened or what's going on yeah I'm so excited to get into all of this with you me too I would love to start at the beginning, okay. if you could just 
give a little context, maybe more about, you know, how you grew up, where you were raised, your relationship with the church Mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, leading up to that faith transition. Love this question. Hold on. I know. I'm excited. It's fun because I don't, I don't know all the details. I'm excited (laughs) to hear myself. (laughs) I'm no, like I was saying, I'm so excited to like share and in a capacity like this, it just feels really safe. I'm so glad. Thank you. That's the the highest compliment. So thanks for saying that. Yeah. But yeah, I grew up in San Diego, specifically Escondido. It's like this beautiful kind of like avocado hillside part of San Diego Mm. very like farmland vibes but suburbia like mixed in which is so cool yeah yeah I have mixed race I'm white which is like German and Basque and English and I'm also native so I grew up with this like feeling of being connected to the earth just all the time Mm. and I I don't know you whatever you grow up with is like your normal you know and On the weekends, we'd visit my grandpa, who's native, out on the res, and I'd see all my cousins, and I'd walk around the res and feel just so connected to God, honestly. And I also grew up so Mormon. My parents are both very faithful, very active. They still are. They're amazing. And I'm the youngest, or not the second, I'm the second youngest of five kids. Mm. And um, everybody just, I don't know, we all... Went to church together, just your typical Mormon family, but then with this added layer of Native influence, which is, as an adult, I've looked back on and been able to see like how unique that is Mm. and learning, you know, more about the history of the world and colonization Mm -hmm. and genocide and... There's just so much there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you feel like you were you were talking about like feeling connected to the earth? Do you feel like you were tapped into that spirituality from For sure. Yeah. yeah. And I I owe my dad a lot of that. He's very like almost mystical. He has a mystical perspective and his approach with teaching us about the church always had this like but what does like your spirit and your heart say? And mm. I think to the point where I invented beliefs mm. of the church that the church doesn't actually teach, yeah, which was a gift and it helped me combat a lot of cognitive dissonance. But yeah, I definitely grew up with so much native culture just infused into my world without even realizing it. Mm. And again, as an adult, you look back and you can kind of piece out like okay this was more of a native leaning perspective and this was definitely more of the church and yep. and honestly the cultural genocide that happens with that and yeah. telling a group of people that their history isn't their history and that it's something else called the Lamanites and the Nephites. Yeah, totally. And being told that that's historical fact, it's just a lot. And I'm I'm honestly not like the most expert person to even speak on all of that. There's some really amazing content creators out there who is unsettling Mormonism, does a mm, really yes. incredible job of just breaking yes. down so much. So yeah, it's been a whole journey. I bet. Do you feel like that dissonance you're talking about between maybe learning about the colonization Mm -hmm. you're kind of talking about there's obviously a lot there yeah when did that start coming up for you when were you learning about that when did that dissonance kind of happen for you yeah a lot of the time growing up the story was our tribe has survived because we were righteous Mm. which is like so sad and then also I would get like People saying things like, well, your ancestors died because they weren't righteous. Native Americans were supposed to be eliminated. Like, that's mm, so yucky. So yucky. And, and I'm sure, like, I know I have, I have privilege in that I'm, I look very white. I still look Native, but I know there are family members of mine and friends of mine who don't have that color of lighter skin privilege, and they mm. have heard far worse things. Yeah. And so it's just, it's hard, you know, but I'm really grateful that I had a mix of cultures to grow up with because I could draw from so many different places and kind of look at the world 
without this picture perfect view, it was always kind of like, well, how do I fit or how does this work? So yeah, it was, it was a great, a great way to grow up overall. There were some traumas, of course, Mm -hmm. but I am, I'm grateful for my life path and I'm grateful that I'm like ended up where I am right now. Yeah. So Yeah. yeah, we were just talking about this offline, but I think that's, it's an interesting thing we were talking about, you know, do I still believe things are meant to be? And yeah. I think I feel similarly to you where it's like, yeah, maybe I could have done without these specific traumas that came from these specific ways I was brought up. But it's nice to feel happy where you're at and understand that, oh, yeah. you know, it's all part of the story, yes. which, yeah, I think that's a really lovely way you yeah. put it. So you were living in Escondido. Mm-hmm. And then you moved to Provo because yeah. you just told me this yes. as well. So born and raised San Diego, Escondido. My senior year, we moved to Provo and it was such a culture shock. Yeah, I can only um, imagine. I kind of want to like give a shout out to Utah though, because I feel like people love to hate on it and mm. Utah's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like the nature aspect of it blew my mind I would just stare at the mountains how are they so huge and they're like right there yeah and it's so cool how everything's like close and people know each other and like everybody knows everybody and obviously there's like good and bad that comes Mm -hmm. with it but I hadn't experienced that yeah and so it was fun it was fun to go from being like one of a couple kids in my grade who are Mormon to then like everyone being Mormon And I just felt so safe and so at ease. I wasn't constantly having to explain why my prom dress had to have sleeves and Mm. everybody just knew it. And so it was cool to have such a shift of, again, like this this cultural theme, but like it was so different. Yeah, as a senior, I remember just being confused. Like I thought Mormonism was this and I'm learning it's this. It was a good like wake up call through this whole like, childhood upbringing I was I was always kind of doubting like even when I was eight years old I remember my mom she's like hey the bishop's gonna interview you which bishop interviews terrified me Mm -hmm. even still talking to like an authority figure if they're a man I panic like I'll like have my eyes well up with tears it's bizarre you feel that yeah like it's like so deep from my childhood working through it but in the in the preparation for my interview, my mom was like, okay, well, he's going to ask you this question. Like, what do you think about Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon? And I was like, well, mom, what if he made it all up? Whoa. Wait, how old were I you? I was eight, you wow, know? Wow, yeah. And I had a friend who wasn't Mormon, whose family disagreed, mm-hmm. <laughs> rightfully so, with a lot <laughs> yeah. of Joseph Smith's things. But uh-huh. it's funny, though, because that was a theme throughout my whole life. I was constantly chasing a testimony of Joseph Smith and I could never get one. Really interesting. Yeah. Even on my mission, I was like, okay, I'm going to go on a mission. My goal was like, I'm going to tell people about God's love. I want them to know they're loved. Like that's my number one thing. And then my second thing is I'm going to finally get a testimony of this guy. Because you were, tr- you wanted that. But I you wanted just feel it, like you but I could get it. never get it. And I like, I felt like something was wrong with me because I was such like a deep believer in so many ways in every way. But for some reason, it was so hard for me to just, like, accept it. And I'm proud of myself looking back. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah, that almost seems like a – that's kind of a really cool intuition thing that you just, like, couldn't get yourself to, like, push through. Your body was (laughs) like, no. (laughs) Right. It really was. And it was frustrating. I didn't really get that on my mission. Mm. And I would do that thing where in church they say, like, you'll gain a testimony as you share your testimony, Mm. which is so unfair. Yeah. I, like... Wow. I have such a, a really powerful core belief in honesty and I'm definitely not perfect at it I don't think anybody is but the amount of self-deceit that I lived with Mm -hmm. is like so sad it is sad I've never thought about that you need to share your testimony to grow your testimony thing Mm -hmm. and how manipulative that is yeah because if you have doubts or if you have questions or you don't feel comfortable like professing belief in something, the only way to overcome that is to just do it. That is kind of like a self-betrayal thing that I've never thought about that way. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So you went on a mission. Yep. You went to Hawaii. Yes. 
excited. Visitor center. Visitor center. Tell me more about that. It was it was beautiful and it was terrible all in one. The people were amazing. They are amazing. The sisters that I got to serve with are some of the most incredible human beings. Like, it makes me emotional. Mm. Yeah, like, thinking about them and how pure their hearts are. It's just like, wow. Like, I met some amazing people from all over the world. Hawaii really is this beautiful place. And I honestly felt very at home because there were so many people of mixed race around Mm me. And... The native culture in my my tribe is very much a coastal people. I'm from San Diego traditionally. Like mm. that's where my ancestors have always lived. Oftentimes I feel like people see the stereotypical depiction that Western people have created of natives and we're more probably similar to the Hawaiian people. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it was really cool to be in that place. There was also, you know... The colonization theme comes up again. I would hear lots of just racist things and racist perspectives. Bless their hearts. Like, Mm -hmm. bless my heart. I mean, no one's perfect, right? There's just so many uncomfortable moments. And, oh, yeah. But overall, I'm really glad I got to be somewhere that was so beautiful and sunny. That helped me a lot. At the same time, though, it was very culty. And I use the word cult having dug deep into Stephen Hassan's work. Yes. Which really helped me in my like post-Mormon deconstruction because there were so many things that happened to me on my mission that I didn't have the language for. And so many times when I suppressed my true self and so many times when your coping mechanisms are just stripped from you. Mm -hmm. As a musician, as a songwriter, that was something I've always leaned on was writing music and being able to listen to music. And I didn't get to do that on my mission. And I don't connect very well with a lot of the church hymns and that style of music. So it was really, really difficult in so many ways. Were you recognizing on your mission, or if you would feel comfortable sharing, you were talking about that kind of self-betrayal. Do you have any examples of that? Or what was that kind of looking like for you? I remember I would just like share my testimony like a robot Mm. and I would hear myself I think my true self would hear this missionary self speak and be like oh my gosh like what is she saying and my missionary self would be like quiet like Mm. you're doing it I think too like I got so hyper obsessed with being perfect and perfectly obedient and that's really sad (laughs) because again you're just like pushing yourself down and the mission rules are so intense. I'm trying to think if there were like specific moments, but oh yeah, this was a big one. I was very obsessed obviously with like following the rules and it was because I like wanted to be worthy of the spirit. Absolutely, yeah. And I was so scared of not being worthy of the spirit and then maybe letting somebody down and like their salvation be at stake Mm. because of something I did. Um, And there was like a specific story I was going to tell, but I'm (laughs) pregnant and my brain stopped working. Pregnancy brain is so real. (laughs) So real. real. Tell me the question again. Yeah, I'm just curious if you have any examples of where you felt kind of that self-betrayal that you were talking about. There was one. And even if it's not a specific story, like you, I guess we were talking earlier about there's a uniform even and like kind of the toll that that takes to be wearing the exact same thing (laughs) as everybody (laughs) else. You wear the exact same. For a year and a half. And uh, you only get one. Now I think they give the sisters two. And I tried to protest this muumuu. Really? Like you could, you could only wash it on P-Day or if it smelled bad. So I had to wear the same dress every single day for a year and a half. And, you know, you could change, like, when you left the visitor center. And if you were doing, like, the tour guide thing from the Polynesian Cultural Center, Mm. we'd, like, get these busloads of tourists and just take them through the town. Mm. And, oh, we're going to the temple. And we would try and tell them we're going to the temple. But people don't register, you know. So just random tourists that want to go to the Polynesian Cultural Center. They would get on a bus. You'd kind of bait and switch the temple. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, wow. Exactly. And like, yeah, it wasn't bait and switch. Like, (laughs) we really tried to tell them we're going to the temple, but also we weren't allowed to say Mormon. Mm. So it was like, no one's, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the La'iye Temple, like, people 
just aren't listening. They're on vacation. Yeah. For the most part, it was a beautiful thing to like see people have this experience at this pretty building on the surface level, on the darker level. There's so much I've since learned about the temple. Yeah. <laughs> just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's just wild. It's wow. wild how much I thought I knew that I just didn't really know. I know. Yeah. I know. It is, it's so interesting to look back on mm-hmm. and realize we just didn't have the same, yeah, knowledge. Like yeah. I feel the same way when I think about my mission. You were talking about how you felt like you kind of sounded like a robot. And that's one thing that, I think about my mission and I feel so sad that when people were speaking to me and sharing vulnerably Mm -hmm. about their life and their experiences and who they were, I had these pre-made responses in my head, like the preach my gospel responses, right? Right. So everything people were saying to me, it was like, oh, how can I bring that back? Or how can I like pull that into what my purpose is? Yeah. And I think... It's hard. And I think I've made peace around the fact, ultimately, in that framework, I thought that that was a good thing to do because I wanted to help people. And I thought the best ultimate way to help people was to convert them to the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was so that way. But even still, it's just unfortunate when you are also meeting so many different people than you probably would be otherwise, that it's under this context where there's a lot of prescriptive there's just a really prescriptive nature I found to missionary work totally and that's hard it's hard especially now having looked back on our lives and and seen how you know the dogma is prescriptive Mm -hmm. and it's like a human it's human nature to be that way but I'm loving this place in my life right now where it's like you're reading the Rick Rubin book? Yes. Okay, so at oh, the beginning so when he says, take what resonates and leave the rest. Yep. Can we just do that in life? Yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> the best way. Amen. Everyone, and I heard this quote the other day. It was like, your pathway to happiness is as unique as you are. Mm. And I'm like, wow, that's that feels good. Yes. <laughs> Having come from where yes. we've come from, you know? Yes, exactly. Mm. When we're told that there's a very specific way to be happy. Mm -hmm. There's a very specific way to eat and to dress and to find happiness outside of that and have it look so different for all of us is Mm -hmm. so joyful. Mm -hmm. And it's really joyful to do for yourself and to like interact with other people and watch other people doing that and doing that differently, I think is really special too. Yeah, it super is. Tell me about the beginning of the end it sounds like you had a lot of doubts you had a lot of dissonance since you were even a child yeah like I had a period even when I was 15 where I was essentially so sad like my doubt and a faith crisis essentially I was like atheist secretly for like really a couple months yeah it was really dark and I remember thinking if I don't believe in this church I will lose my whole family like I, I can't, I couldn't, again, it was this period where I, I was too afraid to be honest. And I, and like the episode you had with Danielle was so beautiful, mm-hmm. how you talk about how it's not always safe, you mm-hmm. know? And I definitely at 15 was not in a safe place to be able to have that freedom yeah. of mind. I just wasn't. Totally. And so then, you know, go to EFY, meet all these cute boys, recommit, <laughs> and go to BYU, did the whole thing, go on my mission, you know, and, and through this, I'm also having cognitive dissonance, being a musician and meeting so many amazing creative people, for whatever reason, that attracts a lot of people in the LGBT community. Mm. And I was having so much cognitive dissonance, like, why does my church teach this? These are lovely people. What's going on? Yeah. going to put that on the shelf. Then I'm at BYU and I'm learning about polygamy and I'm having horrible, horrible panic attacks my freshman year Mm. that I'm going to have to share my husband one day. Mm. And I'm home from my mission and I'm in the class and we're studying and I'm like, I'm going to gain a testimony of Joseph Smith, dang it. Yeah. I had this whole journal (laughs) specific. I'm like, I'm a return missionary. Like, come on, let's go. What more can I do? What can I do? Like, I believe, like, bless me, Jesus, please, somebody, you know. Seriously. And, uh... Yeah, it didn't happen. It actually backfired because I learned about all the times he lied to his wife. Mm. And I just, oh my gosh, poor Emma. 
Oh, and and the amount of deceit and like my literal BYU professors are teaching me this. Yeah, you know, like you don't have to go look at anti-Mormon stuff uh-huh. to learn that he had sex with Fanny Alger, who was yeah. a child. Yeah, while he was married to Emma. Yeah, Oliver Cowdery saw it. Like, what's going on? Like, why? Like, and I remember being like so confused why no one was like outraged Mm. in my classes yeah you know that's so fascinating because I'm hearing you talk about this and I'm thinking I was learning those same things for me learning them in that environment was is one of the things that's really tricky manipulative to me because I feel like when I was being taught those things there was they do teach you those things at BYU. Right, yeah. And I was learning things for the first time post-mission yeah. in these religion classes right. that I was really surprised about. But I feel like in that environment, I would be given a fact about mm-hmm. church history and then 10 rebuttals. You know, they were prepared yes, for that. They and give you the whole gymnastics routine. Exactly. And you memorize oh, it. Oh, such a perfect way it. of saying it. Such a perfect way yeah. of saying it. Where I think if I had discovered those things on the internet or in another way, mm-hmm. it would have caused a lot more outrage in me. Yeah. But it was like, exactly as you said, the whole gymnastics routine was just played out in yeah. front of me. So it was like, ah, this feels weird. This feels weird. Oh, but I guess it's okay. Yeah. And those professors, they're smart. Right. I admired bits and pieces of them and I looked up to a lot of them because I I always remember thinking you know more about this than me Mm -hmm. so I guess I'm just gonna trust you that you know all the facts and somehow you like found a way to make it work Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. but all that said I think that's so honorable that when you you were in touch with yourself enough to feel it sounds like you were really experiencing the emotions of like this is not right yeah I uh I was a kid one time and this story has, like, stuck with me because it was very, like, a core memory, you know? Mm. I went and hung out with a bunch of kids at a girl's house, and there were boys there. And my mom, I knew my mom would be so mad if she knew there were boys. <laughs> what did you do? Holly hung out with a bunch of girls. I didn't tell her there were boys mm-hmm. there, of course, because I don't want to know we were in the jacuzzi. Like, just so cute and innocent, but there uh-huh. were boys there. Like, uh-huh. heaven forbid. I was probably, like, 14. And, of course, she finds out. And... She comes to me and she's like, well, Rachel, you lied. You lied to me. And I was like, what do you mean I lied? I didn't lie. She's like, no, that's lying. You kept the truth from me. Mm. And I've, I've since, I've since, you know, that, that story has stuck with me so hard because I feel like there's a lot of moments in the church where they leave information out and Mm -hmm. it's lying like period lying by omission is still a lie Mm -hmm. even in those classes they would just kind of like leave out little parts in those gymnastic routines it was like okay but we're just not going to look at that we're not even going to talk about it when it's yes it's factual yeah that's what's so tricky about it it's so insidious because it's they act like oh, we're going to tell you everything. Mm-hmm. Like, you know everything. This is the whole story. Mm-hmm. I'm a historian. I'm yeah. a, you know, and I don't even know what credentials those religious professors even have. But they they do present it to you in a way as if they're saying, you know, this is the whole story. It's okay. People yeah. are going to say this. People are going to say that. But it really is not the whole story. No. It's not even close to the whole story. No. It's really not. I want to ask you, so you're talking about this phase, you mentioned feeling outrage. Can you tell me more about what this was all feeling like for you emotionally? What was the experience like of having that dissonance? Or, you know, you're talking about like trying so hard to get a testimony of Joseph Smith. Like, what did that feel like feeling like you wanted that so bad, but like you couldn't quite grasp it? Well, you know, it's funny. I'm honestly not a good storyteller with my words like my friends will like tease me about it because I'm ADHD and just all over the place (laughs) and um it was around this time I started really songwriting I had been home from my mission long enough to where I could songwrite again because that was a sad thing like during my mission I feel like I lost a huge part of my identity Mm -hmm. because I suppressed it for so for you know a year and a half and you come home and you don't know who you are because you've suppressed yourself. Totally. In so many ways. And so it was really, really hard to write music, which had always been my coping mechanism, my gift, my lifeline. 
I finally was able to write music again, and it was so dark. <laughs> the music. <laughs> yeah. You were like, so, oh, that's what's inside of me. <laughs> I know. And like looking back, I'm a pretty positive, bubbly person naturally, but underneath I'm very deep feeling. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, to answer your question, I have this song. It was the first single I released. It's called Underneath, and it's just so sad. Mm. It's like when we're underneath it all, when everything goes wrong, like will you be beside me? And oh, it like, makes me emotional yeah, like, thinking about my little self. Yeah. Because it was like... It was the only safe space I had to just unleash. And um, there's like these songs about deceit and like, how could you lie to me? And uh, yeah. <laughs> Can I hold your hand? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Oh, I love that. <laughs> but on the flip side of that, I'm so glad I was able to get those songs out and work through my system. And I really hope... Anyone out there who's struggling, like, lean on the things that help you release. Mm. Whether it's knitting a sweater that's hideous. Like, it doesn't have to be cute. It can be mm-hmm. so ugly. You're like, what are you knitting when you came into my house? I'm like, oh, <laughs> it looks well, cute to me. <laughs> we'll see. But, you know, like, you can turn to art and creativity, and it's just this magical place where everything can you know, there's no rules. Yeah, totally. There's nothing. Totally. And it can be anything you want. Yeah. Um, and yeah. It, it can turn something. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I think <laughs> I appreciate you speaking to that because it can be really dark. And I think that a lot of times when you don't have that outlet, like you're speaking to, I, I don't know, for me, I sometimes I have like some pieces of writing that are kind of a similar thing to what yeah. you're explaining. But you don't re- you really don't maybe realize the depth or the intensity mm-hmm. of like what it's doing to you right. until you're able to outlet it right. in some sort of way. And what's so beautiful about that is even though it doesn't make what actually happened any more palatable, but it's really beautiful that you can make art you can make something beautiful even if it is sad from something that's really challenging and really hard totally and it sounds like that's what you did with your music and I think that's really nice oh thanks yeah well with that it's it it can become another form of communication you know um it can be a way to signal to somebody else and and maybe their soul or mind or heart will see your art or your writing or whatever it is and they'll they'll say oh I know how that feels Mm. and it just makes everybody just feel a little more connected yeah oh yeah yeah. I love that aspect of it so much because it can speak and music especially I want to talk more about music specifically with you because your music is amazing it's so it feels very deep sounds like a a dumb word to use but there's a lot of there's so much depth to it emotional depth and I'm I'm really excited to dig more into how that all plays into the faith journey and your spirituality (laughs) as well yeah yeah do you feel like there was a final straw moment a shelf breaker Mm -hmm. when did you end up leaving and why like what was the ultimate thing that made you leave yeah so kind of in summary I feel like sorry I've been just no, going deep into it's, it. It's all, it's what we're here to do. It was, it was like, I had so much cognitive dissonance, but again, I always had, you know, the little gymnastic routine mm-hmm. to like keep me believing and, and help me feel safe, which I love that I had that. But, you know, I, I didn't want to acknowledge how heavy my shelf had become. And we moved to New York, me and my husband. And, you know, after my mission, I, we got married and, it was great. And he and I both really committed to talking out our doubts and our worries and our concerns. And we really kind of had a similar faith journey. Um, but by the time we lived in New York, all this cognitive dissonance added up. But I still, and he's still, like, we were very active, literally letter of the law, like, very obedient in all the ways. And, um, at the same time, we didn't really, like, believe anymore. Mm. There was so much for me with LGBTQ issues and the way that the church is just so yucky towards this group of people that I love than the cultural issues and the doctrinal issues and the inability to understand 
Joseph Smith yeah, and how that even all happened. So I'm trying to think if there was a moment, but I remember one night I was like, okay, I have a good heart. I know this. I love people. I want to love people. That's all I've ever wanted to do. I want to let people know they're not alone. There's so much love and I feel like the church has created this structure that doesn't fit my love anymore. Mm. And this is frustrating. What do I do about it? When I, I just like wrote down all my questions for this Mormon God. And I was like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And I had this whole list and it was like, well, if God is so loving in an unconditional way, where is that love? And time and time again, the church just came up short. Mm. And it wasn't like I was leaving in anger. I was trying so hard. I was so obedient. And I hope if there's a listener out there that I can give you this gift of cognitive dissonance because I feel like there were people along the way that gave me this gift. It was like, no, it's not true that people leave to go have a party or to go Mm -hmm. sin. People usually oftentimes don't want to leave. Mm -hmm. There's so much you give up and... It's so painful in so many ways. And so, yeah, I sat with that and I decided not to decide because it was a lot for me. And COVID kind of happened and we ended up moving to L.A. outside of New York. And I had that space to just kind of be myself. People would ask me, are you in? Are you out? I'd be like, I'm just me. Mm. And it was really nice to not decide. Yeah, I love that. And then eventually one day, like the longer I had space, I really researched into cults because I had some I had a a close person in my life that got involved in a really just rough manipulative situation and the cult thing was fascinating and I read this book and was like wait he hasn't mentioned the Mormon church once but he's describing the Mormon church oh yeah in so many ways from my experience everyone experiences Mormonism so drastically differently but for me it was like okay I've been manipulated on a level that I just, I can't sit with. I'm, I can't do this. And I'm going to be free. And it's been honestly amazing. (laughs) So good. I feel like the ability to just have that freedom of your mind and that autonomy of just like, yeah, I get to decide what I believe about everything is Mm -hmm. so beautiful and such a gift. Oh, I'm, I love that for you. I love that for us. I was thinking as you were talking about that list to Mormon God, there's this (laughs) quote, it's, I don't know who, I'll attribute it later, but it says, when I am given the choice to choose between love or my religion, I think Mm. it says, I'll choose love every time. That's such a beautiful way you described love essentially led you out of the church. Like you said, my love is doesn't fit this anymore I can't love the way I want to love within this framework and I think that is so opposite of what I at least as a Mormon how I viewed people who did leave the church same oh yeah it felt totally opposite it felt like they were led astray by evil or by sin but really I think so many of us relate to you in that we feel like we were let out of the church by this love that just no longer fit and felt like it was being stifled in ways that were just too uncomfortable to keep doing it. Yeah, really helped to hear you talk about that because I've never fully like thought of it that way, but I think it's really true. I'm so glad. Yes. I think it is true. And I think even when people do leave in anger, their anger is also in love, even though that can be hard to see. Mm. You know, our anger is such a gift and that was something I somehow you know, got I extracted that from my Mormon upbringing that like anger is sinful. Anger is not of God, but wow, no, it is, it is of God. Like, or if you believe in God or whatever, like anger is a good thing. Yes. And, you know, I, I think we get angry because we love too. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Contention, not of the (laughs) devil after all. My mom, whenever we were fighting growing up, Always. Contention is of the devil. Always. Like, um, <laughs> um, thank you for that story. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Long-winded. I'm no, <laughs> no, no, no. So every single word was fantastic. I want to hear more about your journey with music. So you've talked a lot about how that was playing into that dissonance phase, how that was an outlet for you. Mm-hmm. 
how do you feel like your music has been affected by you leaving the church? Yeah. And how does that play into, you know, where you're at now? It's so funny to like see, I released an EP during 2020 that was like really right at the heart of my just pain and it's a dark EP in so many ways like I can't even go back Mm. and listen to it sometimes I honestly don't but I'm glad it's there and the songs are beautiful and so special because they encapsulated that time period Mm -hmm. and it's been really awesome to see the way that like you know art is special in in that it is almost like a time stamp. It's like a photograph of who you are, who your soul is in that little precious moment. Mm-hmm. It's inescapable. Like the ability to write a song without the impact that my church and leaving the church and that whole experience has been, like it's impossible. Yeah. So while there might be a song that's like not really related to the church it's like no there it's there Mm -hmm. there's no way around it yeah I will say one of my favorite songs is called on my way up Mm. I just listened to it on the car it's so good so (laughs) so so good and and part of that tagline like I wasn't even thinking about the church but I was thinking about this new life that I found being able to just finally dress the way I want to dress and like have no limitation on who I am and discovering this like new person and it's so fun Mm -hmm. and there's still a lot of the old me here because that's just that was my story you know absolutely yeah I remember I hated the phrase like oh they've fallen away from the church they're fallen it's just so like Oh, Mm -hmm. because I didn't feel that way. I'm like, no, I'm on my way up. Yes. (laughs) Like I'm flying right now. Yes, 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 yes. And I mean, yeah, you have those times that you have those dark nights. Like I still have heavy moments, but it just gets so much better. And uh, that song was so much about that and Mm. the freedom of just like, there's those parts like, no, I don't really know what the future holds, but I know that I will be. Anyway, it's like, the uncertainty and like the joy of mm-hmm. skepticism that you can experience. Totally. Is just, oh, it's so liberating. It's, it's so, so liberating. <laughs> Everyone go listen immediately. Oh my gosh. It's such a so beautiful nice. song. I'm so happy to hear a little peek <laughs> behind the scenes on it. How, oh, how, how yeah, cool. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, that's really, I love too how you're talking about absolutely the anger, the trauma. It's all real. It's all valid. It, it's will be a part of my life and my journey forever, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's so fun just to think about how much you gain yeah. by going through a faith transition yes. and coming out the other side. And it really is so exciting. Yeah. I feel like that's a big part of what I'm hoping to do with this space is be like, yes, let's talk about it all. It's challenging. It's hard. But it's also so exciting. And we can do it together. Like, yeah. you're scared to wear a tank top. I get it. But you're going to oh, yeah. feel good when you get brave enough to put it on <laughs> and wear it out. And you're going to be more comfortable. Oh. And, you know, there's oh, just yeah. so small things and these really deep soul things. There's just so much to gain. Totally. And that's so cool that you have that kind of musical journal, too, that you can right. kind of watch yourself go through. Yeah. And it's fun. It's fun to make music that... It's it's just, I just didn't realize how unhappy I was, mm-hmm. which is so sad. And to just now, like, really savor it feels, feels good. Yeah, I yeah. bet. Yeah. I would love to talk a little bit more about your, you, you talked in such a beautiful way to your native spirituality yeah. growing up. How do yeah. you feel like that factors into your spirituality now? Or do you mm-hmm. feel like you've been able to access that differently since yeah. leaving the church yeah. and more about that whole piece of the puzzle? Yeah, like so much of the native way is just, it's almost hard to decipher like where it ends and where it begins, which I love. It's just such an unwritten culture naturally what I love about it is it's it's that like that scripture that's like this is true religion caring for the needy and the poor and the widow Mm -hmm. like that is more of the perspective and even Tanner and I were talking about lullabies the other night and there's this one that we love 
it's a church song and it's talking about nature. And I'm like, yes. And we're going over the words and we're like, I'm going to have a baby in May. And so we're talking about like, are we going to sing? Like, what songs are we going to sing mm -hmm. in? And then at the end, it's like this world Heavenly Father created for me, which is really beautiful thought. Like, I love that that probably means a lot to some people and it used to mean so much to me. But at the same time, it's putting us as humans in this hierarchy. And I don't personally resonate with that anymore mm -hmm. because we are nature and nature is us. And if we think we're above it, it can get in a very precarious place. Yeah. And the world is kind of in one <laughs> right now in a lot of ways. Absolutely, yeah. Like the amount of plastic I see on the beach just makes uh, me so sad. Yeah. heartbreaking. Um, so there's, there's like so much in that. But I'm grateful, again, to have grown up with almost like two systems of spirituality that just are so interwoven but in leaving I haven't had to feel like I need to get rid of everything because I've always kind of had this experience of like morphing things together mm -hmm. and I'm glad I'm glad that like I can sit here and pick through my heart and my spiritual side and be like okay what feels good to me, what resonates logically, leave the rest. Mm -hmm. You know, good old Rick. As Rick Rubin <laughs> as says Rick. best. Yeah. Absolutely. What a freeing concept. Yeah. And kind of crazy to think that we could have just always done that, know. you know? Like that just should be the way, right? Right. That's one thing that I think wow, as a, you know, 27-year-old woman to, and I think, I, I don't even mean to pin that on Mormonism. I think even Christianity, society, that's just, I don't know. I don't think that's as instilled in us mm -hmm. as I wish it were. Yeah. Just to say, you know, what resonates with you, keep. Yeah. And what doesn't, that's fine. Yeah. I think everyone <laughs> would just be a lot happier. I think we'd interact with each other better if yes. we were all giving each other that same permission to. Yeah. Totally. Music is so interesting because so many people I've talked to who aren't even musicians themselves, music is just such a strong piece mm -hmm. of people's spirituality. Yeah. And I think so many people have, you know, these deep connections to hymns or primary songs or they have trauma related to hymns oh, or yeah. primary <laughs> songs. Music is just really, really powerful. Yep. And I think that those who are musically talented, I'm always like, you got the, you got, you got such a great gift Aww. because it's, it has such a power to resonate with people for good and for bad. Mm -hmm. And I just love hearing how music comes up for people so frequently. Yeah, totally. Ha have you always been musical? Like what, how did you get into music? Yeah. My whole family is pretty musical. My siblings, my my dad has just always been gifted musically. My mom grew up playing classically, trained as a pianist. So it was always like in our home and it was never like, it was never very like forced or strict. It was just this fun thing. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I always just made up songs as yeah. a kid. <laughs> so cool. Which I didn't think was anything unique or mm -hmm. special. I honestly had like pretty low self-esteem when it came to that kind of thing because I was like oh like everyone this sings. is just what this people are doing what people do <laughs> um I didn't realize like what a gift it was I think in high school I started to kind of be like oh not everyone writes music or sings mm -hmm. like it kind of started to feel like oh maybe this is like a unique thing mm. I was still very very self-conscious um and then I kind of learned that like who cares what people think you don't yep. have to be afraid yeah As if there's one person out there in the crowd that feels less alone then mm -hmm. like you did it it's worth it yeah yeah <laughs> oh, such a good message too there's so much reclamation in leaving the church mm -hmm. and I think that's another thing to reclaim in a big way is like it doesn't have to be for everyone I don't have to be for everyone I don't have to I don't need approval from yeah. everyone around me. And that's something that I've had to work through in a really big way. And I'm still working Same. through Oh yeah, because I don't know. I think I just got really used to being in a space where I knew what I needed to do to get the approval that mm -hmm. I wanted. Mm -hmm. And when you step outside of that framework, when you step outside of Mormonism or, you know, even just if you're raised a certain way and you leave it, you really have to start to, 
get that validation just from yourself too and just be like this is what I'm doing because it feels good to me and it's it's worth it just for that alone and I'm sure music is a really good practice in that as well yeah for sure Mm. it just brings out the thing that's like under it all absolutely yeah (gasps) thank you so much wow what a fantastic conversation I think you are just you seem like a person who is so in touch with their soul I really feel that from you and I've also been thinking this whole time luckiest little baby boy in the world (laughs) to have you sing him to sleep every night oh my gosh I'm like wow what a lucky little one oh absolutely (laughs) so exciting for the listeners you are 35 weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. You said you're due in May yep. with a little Coming baby boy. Yep. So exciting. It sounds so like excited. you're in such a wonderful place to welcome this little boy into yeah, your life. It feels good. And I I'm bet. excited for you with your girls. Like yeah. To be able to raise them with that freedom of mm-hmm. just like, hey, we're going to discover this together. Exactly. Like I'm learning right beside you. Like mm-hmm. how fun is so that? So fun. <laughs> I know. It really is exciting. It can be scary, but I yes. think... It's way more exciting than scary. Yeah. And with children, even with babies, I mean, my girls are one, but I just think all the time when people are like, well, what are you going to teach them? I'm like, it's already there. Like there, you can look a baby in the eyes and you're like, you have everything in you that you'll ever need. You know, it really is. (sighs) And you want to like cultivate that and obviously like help shape, you know, but I just feel like. There's not, I think we overcomplicate it, I guess. Yeah, no, I'm, it's funny you say that, like you look in their eyes and everything's there, it's gonna make me like cry. (laughs) I like literally wrote a song last week and I'm trying to get it out before baby comes, if not, you know, no worries. (laughs) But like the ending is like, every answer is already there. Oh my gosh. And it's a lullaby and I'm like, okay, I might not be able to sing these church songs, but I'll be able to write my own and share them with people that they can sing to their babies. I love that so much. Or to themselves. Everybody needs a lullaby. Absolutely. Especially with that message. Oh, I love that you said that. Yeah, wait, that's really special. I can't wait to hear that song. Thank you again for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. And I just, I know that, yeah, you just shared so many beautiful things that everyone's going to Mm. resonate with, I know. So thank you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye. (laughs) G-I-A